Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hi, welcome to The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Jeff Gowdy, your host for today's discussion on improving your cultural competencies and the importance of diversity and inclusivity in philanthropy. Now, joining us today is one of my best friends, great mentor, long admired leader in philanthropy, Dr. Leo Wagner. Leo, welcome to the Beacon Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be working with you again. This is just delightful, and I know our listeners are going to learn so much. Lily is the retired director of philanthropic services for institutions, consulting office specializes in services for faith-based organizations. She is a certified fundraising executive and an adjunct faculty member at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy at Indiana University. And from 2005 to 2008, she was vice president for philanthropy at Counterpart International an international development organization in Washington, D.C., a widely published author. Her writings include articles and books on philanthropy, fundraising, and the nonprofit sector. Her book, Diversity in Philanthropy, Expanding the Circle of Giving, is a research-backed resource that explains the traditions of philanthropy and explores specific cultural and ethnic groups and their influence on giving in North America. And she's received awards uh, from Case for her work. She received her master's degree in journalism from the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, and a doctorate in education from the University of Florida, Gainesville. And Leah, thank you so much for joining us on the, the Beacon podcast again. You long, long admired you. I always learned from you and hold you in the highest regard. And this is just a, a professional and personal delight. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, of course. Always good to interact with you. You know, you have been a voice for diversity for generations, and it's certainly the top of mind today in, in, in the United States and beyond for, for a number of reasons. But you have been, long been that voice and long been that voice uh, in, in philanthropy. So what life experiences uh, really led you to this passion for promoting diversity? First of all, I was exposed to so many different cultures by life circumstances from a very young age. At the age of three, we had to flee my homeland of Estonia because the communists were taking over and they were going to kill my father. So they, my family, my brother, my parents and I, of course, I was very little, but we had to just pick up and leave. And we were homeless refugees in Germany, Sweden, places like that. And then finally, when I was about age nine, we were able to come to the United States as immigrants. And I've always been very grateful for that. But to show you the diversity that I experienced by the age of 10, I already spoke four languages. And uh, after we got to the United States, then my father's church sent him to Bolivia, which was also another very interesting experience. And I have always been very grateful for how the United States 
has traditionally welcomed immigrants. And I hope we get back to that mentality again, because this diversity that we see within our circles of donors, our communities and all that have really helped the richness of experience in our communities. I also am very dedicated to nonprofits because it was those kinds of organizations that helped us get established in the United States when we literally came here with about one suitcase and a change of clothes for the four of us. Since that time, I have been extraordinarily privileged, mostly because of my work through the Indiana University School of Philanthropy and also through my work with Philanthropic Services, which is uh, based in, is, it, it addresses faith-based organizations. And therefore, I have now experienced, mostly because of work, 101 countries. Wow. The diversity that I've seen in these countries, everywhere from how we use the language. For example, I worked in nine African countries a couple of years ago. And to see how those traditions of giving are playing into today's mentality of philanthropy. For example, in Kenya, there is a fundraisers association that I worked with. And to observe, for example, the School of Philanthropy had an affiliate in Argentina. And of course, I went down there because I'm fluent in Spanish. And again, to observe how both the faith traditions as well as the cultural traditions help giving of course, then I became very interested in how the culture affects our patterns and habits of generosity and how they have, with those roots, changed over time. I started doing workshops and writing articles in this already 25 years ago and was so very pleased to see each time, for example, when there was an international AFP conference to see how many more topics were covered in this area. And uh, of course, we still have a great deal of work to do. But I think with this background, you can see why I had an interest in putting it all together in this book, Diversity and Philanthropy. And I want to add quickly that quite a few people from my international world of friends wrote sidebars to the book. So on top of the research and experiential information in the book, there are also those kinds of perspectives so you can see why this has been a passion for a long time well i just we appreciate your again pioneering voice in in the topic of, of diversity for for philanthropy and never more relevant than now but it's you you've been sounding the cry for decades so just appreciate your your leadership there and i know frankly it wasn't always accepted so just very grateful for what you have done and what you mean to our profession. So you have said that people need cultural intelligence in order to appreciate and accept diversity. So would you explain what does cultural intelligence mean and and what is cultural competence? When I'm driving along, let's say here where I live near Washington, D.C., and I see a whole flock of birds suddenly rise up from a field or perched on a lamppost, I think of that good old statement, birds of a feather flock together. And uh, if we're going to have cultural intelligence, we need to, first of all, acquire some knowledge, some facts about cultural traits. One of my favorite examples in comparing how my country of birth, Estonia, 
and Northern Europeans greet each other versus how Hispanics, say in Bolivia or New York, where I grew up in the bad part of Brooklyn, New York, and how they greet each other. I mean, this is a cultural trait, but it makes a big difference, especially as we, as fundraisers, approach other donors. Then I think the next step has to be awareness. What are my own perceptions, my own beliefs about other cultures. What do I know about others? What kind of knowledge have I acquired about other cultures? Then we move to specific skills, behaviors on even the use of language. I remember when I was doing some training in the uh, university in Adelaide, Australia, and a colleague had the floor. There were two of us, and we were working with the university. And as she finished a topic, she said, well, whatever floats your boat. And uh, I was sitting in the back, and I saw the there were about 25 people from that university that we were consulting with. And I saw them turn to each other and say, boat. What boat? And then the funniest thing was that the university had a beautiful river running through it, and the people were crane their necks to look out of the window and see where's the boat. And it was a perfect example of how we use Americanisms without thinking about it. But if we're going to be respectful to our donors, at least we need to be aware of using straight English. How do we greet people? What are some of these skills? There are some experts in culture or cultural competence, have divided this into four major sectors. The first is a personal, where we have a cultural self-awareness, personal management, cross-cultural adaptation skills. Then we move from there to the cognitive, including the knowledge of cultural systems and beliefs and their impact on behaviors. We move from that to the interpersonal, and that, of course, is very familiar to us as fundraisers, the interpersonal interaction with our current and prospective donors. And we think about the dynamics of those interpersonal relationships. And then we put all of that into an intellectual box, shall we say, the professional aspect of what we're doing. So when we think about cultural competence, I like to think of those four steps until we're comfortable with it. I should add quickly that this isn't a burden. It's an interesting aspect that adds, adds richness to our particular organization and our own practice. It's just like we do prospect research so that we can intelligently approach our major donors and our donor groups. And this is just one more thing that we can add to that knowledge in our best practices. So, so helpful and what a great perspective. And Leah, what actions can we as fundraising professionals take to ensure a more inclusive and diverse environment for donors and for our staff? I think I would like to refer to an article that I read in Harvard Business Review, which talked about the need for code switching. And I thought that was a beautiful word. And the article stated, it's vital to develop the expertise of code switching between cultures. This is defined as the ability to modify behavior, to accommodate various cultural norms, to have a capacity to manage a psychological logical challenges that arise when cultural knowledge is translated into action. And I particularly like that they had suggestions. And I should add quickly that as I read Harvard Business Review, I've always been interested 
how almost every issue has something about taking your business overseas. How do you act? How do you interact with others? And I found that very interesting. They say, acknowledge that giving by diverse population groups or buying by diverse population groups is nothing new, but we need to understand how and why donors might give because one size no longer does fit all. So to go to your question about how do we become culturally proficient, we have to be aware of any assumptions that we have and some of the differences that we might have. And there are several good books that I can recommend besides mine that would be very helpful. One that has been my favorite for a long time has been Do's and Taboos Around the World. And you can easily find that on Amazon. And it even has wonderful cartoons that help us understand some of these interactions that we take part in. For example, my favorite is where a waiter comes in and says to the cook, the American says, scratch the potatoes. And you can imagine from the little balloon that comes out of the cook's head, he's got a little rake and he's scratching the potato. And it makes us aware of some of these differences. Another that is a favorite of mine because I've fallen prey to this one is in some countries, if you admire something a great deal, they might actually give it to you as a gift. And the cartoon shows that this uh, American is admiring this Arab's camel and then eventually has to think about how do you get it home? I've been in those situations where I was given a very large copper beautiful, beautiful copper clock when I was doing work in Zambia. But this was just as I was leaving for the airport. I thought, my goodness, what am I going to do with this? So I carried it home. And uh, these kinds of uh, books can help us alert us to some of the things we may already know. Another book that I have highly recommended is Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands, which is vignettes of about 30 countries. And it's a quick read and a quick learn. And of course, in my book that you so kindly referenced is... Uh, has advice on how to put our professionalism into practice as we work with other cultures. Well, this is, as always, what a treat to, to learn from you and just appreciate your friendship and all that you have done for our profession and continue to do. And to our to our listeners, be sure if you don't have a copy and go on Amazon or go to your favorite bookstore and buy or order Lilia's Diversity and Philanthropy. And what, a, what a great uh, classic that needs to be part of your, your fundraising nonprofit library. So. Thank you. I would like to close with a little acrostic that a revered friend of mine and many of us, Charles Stevens, and he was, the, of course, the first African-American president of the AFP board. We worked together at the School of Philanthropy. And when I asked him to participate, he did this acrostic, spelling out diversity. So if I may, I'd like to oh, read I love it. it. Thank you, please. Do by others as you want others to do by you. Invest time and energy in seeking to understand difference. Visit and interact on meaningful levels with those who represent difference. Engage friends in events and programs celebrating diversity. Read books and periodicals that represent diverse populations. See and acknowledge difference. Internalize lessons learned. Teach 
and then you. And of course, when I do this as a PowerPoint presentation, there's a wonderful one that I close with that says, never forget to see the individual behind all the diversity. And it's a picture of a whole lot of flags. And if you look carefully, there's actually a person behind that. And of course, we want to get to that point where an individual, we move from the group knowledge, from the general knowledge to the individual and then see further into what are some of these wonderful differences. Thank you so much for oh. having me, Jeff. Always a pleasure to work with you. Lily, likewise, and what a perfect way to end our discussion today. And um, we're going to definitely invite you back and just appreciate you so much. And to our listeners, again, please uh, check out Diversity and Philanthropy uh, on Amazon, your favorite bookstore. And Jeff Jowdy here, thanking our listeners for joining us on this edition of the Beacon Podcast your connection to nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcast and guest at lighthousecouncil.com.